When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom on a Thursday, just several days before Michigan takes on Washington in the national championship game. Make sure to like this video if you want the Wolverines to capture their 12th ever national championship, first one since 1997. So hit that thumbs up button if you want that to happen. The haters won't do it, but those of you that want Michigan to win will like the video. Subscribe to our channel and head to the Wolverine.com. Use the promo code UM1. It's an exclusive offer for all of our YouTube viewers and podcast listeners. You get two months of premium access for just $1. So coaching changes, you know, transfer portal, NFL draft decisions, all the intel, uh, recruiting as well, basketball, over at thewolverine.com. Promo code UM1 is an exclusive offer. We're going to get into uh, a little bit of talk about the Rose Bowl, Michigan's win over Alabama. Uh, then we will talk about some legacy, big picture stuff about this team, as well as some thoughts on Washington. We'll be back likely Sunday morning with another podcast as well from Houston to preview Michigan against Washington. But AB, got to bring you in. You're wearing your Rose Bowl hat. How are you doing today? I haven't taken this thing off since Monday, honestly. Um, <laughs> there you go. I do. I do have hair. People say people. The haters will say I have no hair, but I do. Um, <laughs> what a whiplash of the last few days it's been. Um, stayed the extra day in L.A., had a long travel day yesterday, didn't get in. I got into Ann Arbor uh, off the train around 730 and finally got to where I was, where I needed to be at, at nine o'clock or so, and then went right to bed. And now we're here as we record this. I will be on a plane less than 24 hours from now, and I've never traveled like that before. So it's it's interesting. Uh, what an experience out there, though. I mean, you and I sort of soaked in the initial walk into the stadium together. We went up to the press box. And, you know, when you see that Rose Bowl field, which is the most immaculate grass field I've ever seen, by the way, yep. but you see that you see, you know, the mountains in the background. It's I, I actually got like lightheaded. It was that overwhelmingly awesome. And, you know, it's not often anymore that when we travel and we go places, we do what we do that you go back and have like this childlike wonder of something that you're, you're witnessing or that you're seeing, but somehow they, they undersold the Rose bowl. And all we've ever heard is that it's the greatest, you know, college football venue there is. So uh, to me, just a crazy, crazy, crazy experience to have unpacking my stuff last night, pulling rose petals out of my backpack, pulling confetti out of my backpack. It's just uh and we got one more in us, so excited for that road trip. Yeah, I grabbed all the confetti I could find, rose petals, probably going to wither away at some point, but the memories won't. Uh, the memories won't. It was an incredible day. Would have seen Michigan fans uh, outnumbering Alabama fans, but Alabama was loud there when they were making their run in the second half and uh, an incredible environment. Uh, so let's let's talk about the Rose Bowl a little bit as we sit here a few days later. Uh, what impressed you the most about Michigan's performance as you rewatch that game and as you think more about it? 
it's that for most of the game, they completely dominated the trenches on both sides of the ball. Now, coming into the game, you know, Alabama's offensive line, I said this earlier in the year, they weren't what they have been. Uh, they were a tick or two below, and really in a lot of ways, given that their center couldn't snap the football, maybe several ticks below what we typically see out of them. But they did get better throughout the second half of the year. They're still huge. They're massive, really up front on both sides of the ball. And for the most part in that game, Michigan completely owned the line of scrimmage, which is not something that, you know, I, it's not to say I thought that Alabama would dominate them, not, not by any stretch, but I thought this was a heavyweight fight. This is a prize fight between two of the most iconic brands in college football. But outside of the miscues on special teams, outside of some you know, self-inflicted wounds with penalties and whatnot, I, I thought that Michigan completely dominated the line of scrimmage. And, and even the thing that struck out to me the most on, on rewatch was I think that was the best game that secondary has played all season long. Um, I know not, not quite as they they've, seen arguably maybe a better offense in Ohio state, but those guys looked fast. They were flying around to the ball. Uh, Rod Moore was incredible. Josh Wallace played his, his best game at Michigan so far. Will Johnson was his typical, you know, elite self. Those guys were, were terrific. And I think that when you put all that together, in addition to the obvious stuff that we we've discussed here in the last few days, that's, when, you, when, you, when you're talking about, we'll get to Washington here, but when you talk about what it's going to take to beat a team, an explosive passing offense like Washington, that we just watched Michigan's secondary play its best game of the year is, is extremely encouraging uh, heading into that game on Monday night. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be, it is going to be different. I agree with you because, you know, partly because Washington's offensive line is better than Alabama's. They won the Joe Moore award. So the pressure may not be there as much. You may have to cover longer and Washington has better receivers. But you're right. I, I think rewatching the game, the secondary stands out and the defensive line gets a ton of credit, deservedly so. I mean, six sacks and a bunch of negative plays and a bunch of stops for like zero and, and one yard gains as well, which are underrated because, you know, people kind of look at the, you know, s some of the stats and, and they don't see those as much. But uh, th I thought that was great. But the secondary, I mean, the way Rod Moore played with some of the open field tackles he made, the uh, you know, defending uh, Kendrick Law on the, the deep ball there, the way he positioned himself, absolute blanketed in coverage. Um, you know, just the leverage this Michigan defense played with was fantastic. I agree with you on Josh Wallace. I thought he was great. Tackles, you know, ma making really strong tackles. The safeties, you lose Makari Page there in the second half, and Quinton Johnson makes a huge play, jarring the ball loose on Jalen Milrow. And, uh, you know, Keon Sab comes in. He only had five snaps, but it feel, felt like he was around the ball the entire time, every single time he was in there. A couple corner blitzes from Will Johnson. And I remember the corner blitz from Jamon Green in the TCU game a year ago. There's no safety that rotates over. It goes for a big play. This time, I mean, everything was on point. Quinton Johnson rotated over on one, Keon Saab on another. So those guys played incredible football. And Jalen Milrow said coming into the game that, you know, because he was asked by our friend Isaiah Hull, hey, Marvin Harrison Jr. said that Michigan mixes up coverages better than anybody. There were some things he had never seen before in the Michigan-Ohio State game. And Jalen Milrow said it won't be anything I haven't seen in the SEC. Well, I think it was something maybe he hasn't seen in the SEC. And I know they played Georgia and, and other good teams, but that may have been the best defense uh, that Alabama had faced all year. Certainly the best performance by one that that they did. Alabama didn't have a drive longer than 55 yards. The only, uh, you know, the touchdown early on 
when they really couldn't get much going, came off of the muff punt. So defense was great. And you got to cre- credit Jesse Minter. Um, also rewatching and, and really, you know, thought of it during the game as well. But just the way Michigan mixed things up offensively when it came to breaking tendency. I mean, you had a couple gadget plays when he needed them, the throwback, the, the great catch by J.J. McCarthy. But I thought Sharon Moore and Jim Harbaugh and the entire offensive staff put together an incredible performance um, and, and really put these guys in great positions. And one of the things they did was they used two tight ends less. You know, I think Alabama was prepared to face A.J. Barner and Colston Loveland, but Michigan goes with a little bit more 11 personnel in a little bit more matchups. And I think, A.B., you and I had a conversation, I think, a month, month and a half ago coming off of um, – I, I don't remember exactly which game it was, but we were just saying how Sharon Moore is so good and seems better than maybe the coordinators in the past at getting – Michigan players in favorable matchups. And that's what they did in this game. It was Michigan slot receivers and running backs against Alabama's linebackers. Six times in coverage, Alabama's two starting inside linebackers, uh, Jihad Campbell and Deontay Lawson, were targeted. Six catches, 82 yards, two touchdowns. Roman Wilson, the last one, Blake Corum on that first touchdown where they snuck him out. What a job by the coaching staff. It was a great job by the coaching staff. And it's also, I have to think of a way to put this without sounding like a know-it-all, but it was very affirming to me to watch them go out and do the things that I thought they were going to have to do to get this Alabama defense off guard. You know, the misdirection. I mean, there was misdirection or some kind of motion seemingly before every offensive snap. Uh, They had those guys, you know, when those athletes, again, I won't argue that, Alabama has better athletes. I, I mean, from mm. a pure skill set perspective, maybe, but you know, when, when those guys do have that type of advantage, you have to a split second that you make them have to think about it can be the difference between a play that goes for three yards or a play that goes for 13. And I thought that was not their best executed offensive game of the year, but in terms of the best called game, the best game plan, it, it's right up there. I mean, Dallas Turner, I think had, what the one sack in the game. And that was Alabama's only sack. Didn't really hear Chris Braswell's name at all. Um, you know, a couple of other guys made plays, but the offensive line outstanding as well. I mean, we, it was going to take their best game. And I think that was their best game of the year, uh, which was, you love to see that after a month of preparation. So for me, I mean, it, I think it was the idea that this Michigan coaching staff, and this is again, something that goes into Monday as well. You know, they're going to find ways to win by any means necessary. It's not going to look the same week to week. And people thought that Michigan was just kind of kind of try and line up and and go heavy and run the ball down Alabama's throat because that's the perception of what this Michigan offense is under Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore. But, you know, Tyler Morris, Samaj Morgan, no, Samaj didn't have the the best game in the world, but those guys needed to be X factors and they were. Um, And then at the end, when you needed someone to make a play, you just hand it off to number two and let him do something magical with it, like he did in the Ohio State game, like he did um, in that overtime period. So in terms of how it was called, how, was it, how it was executed, A++ for Jesse Minter, A++ for Sharon Moore. I mean, those guys are those guys are the key to everything. And I know a lot of the conversation, there are still people that are trying to steer the conversation away from Michigan's success being legitimate post-2020. The biggest difference between pre-2020 Michigan and post-2020 Michigan is that it it has two of the best coordinators in the entire sport right now 
And before then, it didn't. And to me, that's that might be the biggest factor in all this. Yeah. I mean, the, the changes they made, the things that they did, the talent they were able to accumulate, the quarterback play. I mean, there are so many other reasons other than really this. None of this was brought up over the last month. But now that they're in the national championship and even more in the national spotlight, you're obviously getting some of that conversation. But it's total BS. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the biggest thing might have been the defense, the defensive change that they made changing philosophies and going to more of an NFL system. And we can talk about what we expect out of the defense in a little bit uh, in the Washington game. But man, the, the fact that that defense gave the Michigan offense, which had only two first downs in the first 25 minutes of the second half, a chance to win the game or, or tie the game at the end and then, and then go win the game in overtime really speaks to how good the, de- you know, how good of a performance the defense put together. And you got to feel good for Jesse Minter after what the TCU game was a year ago. I talked to him in the locker room after, and he, I mean, you could just see it, uh, how happy he was and, and he deserves to be, uh, but they got a big challenge ahead as well. So a little bit of Rose Bowl talk there. I know people are still kind of basking a little bit and uh, looking forward to Houston, uh, the game against Washington on Monday night. Let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. The football postseason is here for college. The playoffs are coming for the NFL in just over a week, and there's no better way to enjoy the games than by playing daily fantasy with Prize Picks. You pick two to six players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. All first-time users that deposit and use promo code Wolverine will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So if you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they will give you $50. We play each and every week. I'm going to go with a little bit of a Michigan basketball special here. Today, got the game in uh, several hours here as we're recording Thursday night against Minnesota at Chrysler. I got Doug McDaniel more than 17 and a half points in this one. Minnesota, brutal at defending ball screens. Uh, and I think Doug McDaniel will be able to hit some pull-up jumpers. And I got Namari Burnett more than 11 uh, as well against Minnesota. They don't allow many three-point attempts. He's been good shooting it this year, but I think he's going to get uh, enough there uh do you have your picks for this week ab i do uh no college football playoff picks in there just yet uh keep your eyes on that throughout the weekend over at prize picks but i'm staying in the nhl tonight a couple of michigan adjacent uh selections there first michigan detroit detroit red wings playing the los angeles kings where we just came from in la on thursday night i have patrick kane at more than half a point and then staying on the west coast Michigan alum, Matty Beneers and the Seattle Kraken. I have him at more than half a point uh, at 10 p.m. against the Ottawa Senators. So those are my two picks this week. A couple hockey plays for you uh, for the the puck crowd out there. I like it. Uh, Go to prizepicks.com or download the app today. Use the promo code Wolverine for an instant deposit match up to $100 for first-time users. So, again, prizepicks.com or download the prizepicks app. Promo code Wolverine. Uh, Charles Woodson made some comments on Rich Eisen earlier this week, talking about the legacy of this team and, and Rich kind of threw the, the question out there to him. And I don't know exactly what he expected, but he looked a little bit surprised at the answer, but he asked him, you know, what, what is the legacy of this team? Where do they stack up with other great Michigan teams? And Charles Woodson says, if Michigan wins at all, this will be the best Michigan football team of all time. Now Woodson obviously was on the team in 97 
and was you know pretty much the reason why they won the national championship. Uh, you know, so I, I think maybe you would think that these guys don't you know want to give that title up, but I think Charles Woodson, knowing the sport and and you know being as smart as he is, understands the differences between 1997 and now. There was no Big Ten championship back then. There was no college football playoff. They went out and played number eight Washington State in the Rose Bowl, and it was decided by a vote. That was an incredible Michigan team, but this would be an even bigger feat. I agree with Charles. Um, and, and another cool thing, too, about those 97 guys, like John Jansen talked to the team earlier last week before the Rose Bowl uh, when Drake Nugent was talking about this. And John Jansen said, I'm sick and tired of talking about our 1997 team as the last great thing to happen to Michigan. I want to talk about you guys. You know, he, he wants it to be another group. He's like, we talk about 97 because nothing's happened since then. So uh, it's kind of cool that those guys have really rallied around. Obviously, Jansen, no bigger supporter. Uh, but your thoughts on on kind of the legacy here and, and what Michigan has a chance to do in this game? Because Team 144 will, will be the best team, I think, in, in Michigan history if they get it done. I kind of feel like they already are. And again, it, it's going to take They already that could national. be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to take that a national title to really – cement that for them uh, but when you look at the factors at play you know 14 last year of the 14 playoff you draw alabama in the rose bowl you played uh, you know penn still like this was three three of their last four games were pl were played against what uh i'm sorry three of their last five math is hard penn state ohio state alabama you still had to go to maryland without your head coach you played an iowa team in the big 10 championship that you were able to still top out. 20 yeah Still a top 20. I mean, all of those wins are to me, you know, it's they were those are the separators to me. And and to you know, to do three have three of those wins come without Jim Harbaugh and to have the team itself kind of listen, these guys are what are 18 through 23, 24, some you know, a couple six-year guys on the team <laughs> to 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 fight through the noise because it's not easy for young guys to just block out social media now. Um, to not only block out the noise, but then use it as fuel instead of using it as a slight. I think that's that's a remarkable trait. That that's that's something that the '97 team. I mean, again, I, I don't. I'm sure there was noise back then. I was I was five years old, so I don't remember it fondly at all. But we just think of all the factors at play. If they're able to close this out the way that they have, or the way that we've seen them do their, you know, handle their business throughout the year. To me, I hesitate to say number one with a bullet because that is, to me, disrespectful to that 97 team. But, you know, you have a chance to do something that hasn't happened since 1948, which is be an outright national champion. And to do it, uh, and again, 97 was a Tom Osborne retirement gift. Don't get me wrong. But to have that distinction where there is, I'll just put it this way. We've talked about this several times. If they win this national championship, it is the most legit national championship I think that anyone has won, certainly in the modern era. So to me, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. They could have lost any of these last, you know, four of the last five games. If some not saying they would have lost all of them, saying any one of those games could have gone south at some point. And it hasn't. No and now they're playing the last game of the year. Right. And it, I, I think better is always a tough argument when you are going across eras you know because everything's relative i mean you could be the 1901 team if michigan 
Michigan's 2020 team, which is one of the worst ever, right, quote-unquote, lined up against the 1901 team that won the national championship, I think we all know what would happen. I think Michigan 2020 would would kill them uh, on the football field. And maybe they would forfeit because back in the day, you know, you would you would forfeit some games like that. Look, it's all relative when you're talking about across eras. That 1997 team did everything they possibly could in that season. But there's no question that this team, if they win the national championship, and even without it, maybe uh, is the most would become the most accomplished Michigan team in history because not only did you win the Big Ten and have to win a championship game to do that, you also would have won the Rose Bowl and then played a game after the Rose Bowl. No Michigan team has ever done that. No Michigan team's ever won 14 games until this year. So uh, we're talking about legacy. And look, I think we're going to be talking about legacy one way or the other, uh, probably next week as well. So still need to accomplish winning that game on Monday and becoming the national champions. And it's no shoe-in, obviously. It's, it's another one of these coin flip games. Um, but certainly when you present this game, Michigan has that type of opportunity. A couple individual players too. I wanted to just hit on is, is JJ McCarthy. We could be watching him in his last game as a Michigan Wolverine. And earlier in the year, we had the talk where Jim Harbaugh said he predicts that JJ will become the best quarterback in Michigan history. Then he kind of made it official with at least his opinion that he is the best quarterback in Michigan history. And I would have to say it's it's hard to argue with that at this point. Um, man, it, it, you know, he didn't have his best game, but to have a moment like the 75-yard the drive and having to pick up a fourth down to do it uh, and win that game late speaks to, to that. And as Jim Harbaugh said, he's the last Michigan quarterback to win in overtime over Alabama uh, since Tom Brady. And Tom Brady did that, and, and he's, he's right up there with the best quarterbacks, college quarterbacks in Michigan history, obviously we're talking about, but uh, JJ and his legacy, I mean, he has done so far everything short of a national championship that he set out to do here at Michigan. You know, I'm working, I'm working on a column right now on, on basically JJ McCarthy from the start of his journey to where we are now ahead of this game Monday night. And something that stuck out, it was, it was the interview he did in the athletic where he talked about how he was going to make Ohio state pay or how he was, Mad that Ohio State lied to him on the recruiting trail. It took Kyle McCord instead. And I believe it was his coach that was doing the interview with him and said, watch, he's he's an assassin. He'll make him pay for it, too. And since then, uh, you know, he's 26 and one as a starter. He was a prominent part on the 21 team that won a Big Ten title and and won those. Uh, what was it? Did they finish 12 and two that year? Whatever it yep. was. Um, it's hard to argue, honestly. Uh, 26 and one as a starter listed. I mean, they're going to have, they're going to be guys that probably in the future put up better numbers because of playing more games and uh, offenses change and, and the game changes, but man, in those got to have it situations and Michigan to, to McCarthy's credit, Michigan really hasn't had a lot of those situations because they have been largely dominant since he was the starting quarterback. But you think back to, the Illinois game last year, you think back to the clutch plays he made that next week against Ohio State. Uh, you think back to almost what you know, almost pulling off the comeback against TCU. And then obviously everything he did down the stretch this year. Uh yeah, I, I I have no issue with it. I mean, and he's a guy that I think has a chance to be drafted higher than any other Michigan quarterback in the history of the program. I don't know, I have to go back and look, but um you know, if JJ McCarthy's like a top 10, top 15 pick, he's in really elite company there when it comes to 
what he's done at Michigan. And I talked to someone over the weekend too, that said, I think you'd be surprised by how NFL scouts view him in terms of, you know, forget about the production, forget about some of the, you know, sometimes he can float his passes and whatnot, but you look at that play in the Rose bowl alone, the athleticism, like the sheer athleticism at the quarterback position on that trick play, even, I mean, that's one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen a quarterback make. So to me, I think that, uh, you know, if he goes out and he balls out in this game on Monday night, that's probably, like, if I'm advising him, that is probably it at Michigan. And that's what better way to go out, right? Um, and even if he doesn't, you know, even if he just kind of has the type of game that he has been having, that's going to be enough. I, I think that'll be enough for Michigan to win, assuming they can run the ball. But what this guy has done, um, he called a shot. He told fans to take a deep breath. He was the rising tide that lifted this program over the top and all they needed, you know, we talked earlier about what was needed pre 2021 that they didn't have versus what they have now. A lot of it could have been offset by having an elite game changing quarterback and JJ McCarthy is that. And that's why Michigan's playing for a national title on Monday. Yeah. And he would become, if he's a top 10, top 15, even top 25 pick, he'd become the highest drafted quarterback in Michigan history. Currently, Jim Harbaugh holds that title number 26 overall to the Chicago Bears in 1987. Um, you are right about that. It's also crazy, though, that we have talked about J.J. as being kind of that X factor. Like you compare Michigan to Clemson a little bit uh, with some of their years where they these two programs recruit very similarly. But the difference in Clemson with their two national titles was Trevor Lawrence being an elite quarterback and Deshaun Watson being an elite quarterback, J.J. McCarthy put together that drive that was incredible to come down and, and tie the game. But really, like, I think it's that in the way he's been able to play, coupled with just how much Michigan has closed the gap with these SEC powers. I, I saw a stat that when you look at blue chip ratio and recruiting rankings and these kind of roster rankings that some sites do, Alabama is the second most talented roster in college football history. That's the team Michigan just played. And the fact that Michigan, like you said earlier, was able to control the line of scrimmage. Michigan, you know, didn't maybe have the skilled players, but man, I mean, they had the best player on the field, likely in, in Blake Corum. They had, you know, Roman Wilson making plays down the stretch. They got enough. You know, Tyler Morris makes a play. They had enough there to hold up. You know, they had enough there to hold up in the trenches. They had enough in the defensive backfield to cover. They had enough speed, you know, at linebacker to to run down Jalen Milrow. Um they have the quarterback now and they've closed the gap at least for now with some of these sec powers. Um, and that is remarkable because I was there when Michigan played Georgia a couple of years ago. And I know that was a generational defense, but things just feel so much different now, not only with Michigan, but with the sport in general. And I think, you know, it speaks to that with Michigan and Washington being the two teams in the college football playoff real quick, before we move on, I did want to mention that this is the last game we're going to see Blake Corum. We may see J.J. McCarthy last year, but we've seen Blake Corum score 56 touchdowns on the ground, more, I think around 60 there. Total, which is insane, obviously leads Michigan there. He's the uh, total points leader in a single season. Uh, I think he's right up there all time. He actually might be number one in that category as well. But, I, I you know, I, I said this on Monday, but after he did what he did in overtime, I said I would I, I would call Blake Corum a legend or say he just became a legend, but he's been a legend and he just keeps adding to it and he has another chance on Monday. 
Yeah, he does. And I think he's going to have some room to run on Monday. Uh, that's a huge key to this game. And, and we yes. will we will break down the national championship game in earnest when we uh, get to Houston and get settled in there. Uh, still kind of working off the whiplash from, from the travel, but uh, we will have a full uh, national title game breakdown before it, it drops. Um, Blake Corum, to me, is... It was kind of an omen when you and I were were in that tunnel watching the bus drive into the Rose Bowl. Blake Corm was either the first guy off the bus or one of the first guys off the bus, and he was wearing that Barry Sanders nineteen, I think it was ninety four, ninety five, Pro Bowl throwback jersey, and we're like, oh wow, that could be, that could be something. Um, and you look at that specifically that last run of the game, the footwork, you know, the the contact courage at the end, like that to me. You know, I thought I thought that run in the Ohio State game after the Zinter injury was maybe like his signature run at Michigan, and he very quickly put a new one at the top of the list. I yeah. mean, that run to win the Rose Bowl. The jump has been amazing. And, and th- this time last year, uh, he was on the Rich Eisen show, I think on January 8th of last year, announcing that he was coming back to Michigan while rehabbing from recently done knee surgery. And now he has a chance to accomplish what he came back and what was envisioned when he came back to Michigan and to be able to, I don't say, I won't say call your shot, but just so many things have, don't, don't take this for granted, Michigan fans, because so many things have to go right for you to get to where they are. And we've seen it. I mean, this is year nine of Jim Harbaugh. They could have been there in year two, if things broke the right way, it takes, it takes a tremendous amount of poise, takes a tremendous amount of luck to get there and you got to play well throughout too. So to me, for them to, for Blake Corm to be in this spot for, for the seniors that ran it back to be in this spot, it just speaks to the, the mental fortitude, the intestinal, you know, internal wherewithal to get the job done and to speak your goals into existence. So often that is so that can kind of read as cliche, but this team embodies that and nobody embodies that more on this team than Blake Corm. Yeah, he took the mic at Chrysler during uh, a timeout at a basketball game as the rest of his teammates were throwing T-shirts into the crowd. And he said, we're going to win the national championship and go down in history. He has a chance to do that on Monday night. He's already going to go down in history. And I remember following him around on the on the field before the Fiesta Bowl last year as he was crutching around and signing autographs. And he's getting all these Michigan fans yelling and chanting one more year. He decides to do it. He decides to come back, and it couldn't have gone better for him. Uh, and obviously, I think he's going to have a tremendous career in the NFL as well. But cherish this one last time <clears throat> to watch Blake Corum in a Michigan uniform. Uh, Want to talk about our friends over at Factor Meals, one of my favorite sponsors. Uh, this holiday season, this winter season, you may be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. Last month, they sent us each a package, and it was fantastic. They are very quick to make, and they're fantastic uh, to eat as well. They taste great. Um a bunch of different chicken ones that I had that that I asked for and and got and had those for dinners. Uh, factor meals are awesome. You can cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season 
with factor skip the meal planning grocery shopping chopping prepping cleaning up and get factors fresh never frozen meals delivered to your door they come in a, in a box too that's like cooled um you know and and uh, refrigerated there so uh that's incredible as well they're ready in just two minutes so all you have to do is heat and enjoy so head to factormeals.com slash wolverine 50 that's wolverine 50 and use the code wolverine 50 again wolverine 50 to get 50 percent off that's code uh, code wolverine 50 at factormeals.com slash wolverine50 to get 50% off. Uh, let's talk about Washington a little bit. As you said, on Sunday, we'll do our kind of preview show that people are used to on Thursdays. We thought it was a little bit early for that, and we wanted to check in from Houston anyway. We'll also have, if you're going to follow all of our coverage, we'll have practice video breakdown from that on Saturday. We get media day as well, where we get an hour with whoever in the program we want to talk to. So tons of coverage coming from that. Um, so we will have that coming, but some quick thoughts on Washington. And, and I wanted to talk about this aspect too, because I've seen a lot of questions about it from Michigan fans in the last couple of days. It's like, hey, this is a unique year where the championship game is played just one week after the bowl games because they wanted to keep it on that Monday night. New Year's Day falls on the Monday night. Rose Bowl has to be played on New Year's Day per the contracts and the tradition, and I'm glad it was. Uh, but you have less than a week from the time you end there, uh, pretty much until the time you kick off in the national title game. How are they going to be focused, especially with all the travel? To me, one, it is a challenge, and I think these coaches understand that. But two, Michigan is pretty uniquely qualified for this because you beat Ohio State the last three years. I mean, that's as emotionally high as it gets but you have to regroup and play in the Big Ten Championship game. They've been able to successfully do that and be focused in those games the last three. Um, so I think you draw on that experience, but what do you think the team uh, – and you got to get healthy too. A couple guys banged up, and obviously guys are a little bit sore. I don't know that you got to practice all that much other than special teams at this point. You you go through practice. I'm talking about physical, uh, you know, physicality here, but uh, you stay crisp. But, man, uh, I, I think this team will be ready to go. Yeah, I assume this is a mostly walkthrough week for them. Maybe they have a day in shells somewhere, whether it be once they're in Houston, whether I don't I don't know. We don't know exactly what that schedule looks like other than they will be leaving for Houston. I think they arrive around four o'clock local time on Friday, and then they'll spend the next few days there. Obviously, it's not quite the same like a like a bowl prep week where you're there all week and you have events to do. To my knowledge, there's no special events for them. It's get to Houston, it's get settled in, it's prepare, and then it's play this game on Monday night. And if they win, they'll have the the champions press conference there on Tuesday morning. But you know, for me, again, it's um, sorry about quick turnarounds. Maybe they give John Beeline a call. He was a guy that seemed adept at scouting on a quick turnaround. Um, but you have to think, you know, going into the playoff, you knew who your opponent could possibly be. Um, probably do a little bit of Intel scouting work on both Washington and Texas. And you have Obviously analysts you have to do that. that. Yeah. Yes. You have a, a vast network of analysts that are able to do that. Um, Not as vast as Alabama, team. but yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, they have this game film from Monday night to watch. They will. Uh, yeah. So again, I, I don't know what the prep plan, uh, plan looks like. It's kind of interesting to me. Both teams kind of made cross-country trips for their respective bowl games. Both teams now traveled back home, and now both teams will travel back 
across the country down to Texas to to make and so both teams have to deal with that. Who does that favor? Um I tend to believe that probably favors Michigan question mark just because they do have this experience now of having played in the college football playoff over the last few years. Um but we'll see. I mean that's all just that's all discussion fodder right now. We'll see what happens on Monday night, but uh, I don't I don't think that uh that's that's the schedule as we know it heading into this weekend. So we'll get to see a bit of practice on on Saturday afternoon. Head coaches will talk on Sunday, and then it's it's game day already come Monday. Yeah, it's not like a bowl trip where they're out there, you know, going to Disneyland and playing top golf and stuff like that. You're out there for a shorter amount of time, and it is uh, not that the last games weren't huge, but uh, it's a much more of a business trip type of thing. Um, I also think they can draw on Ohio State too. The fact that I asked Jesse Minter this the the week leading into the Iowa game there in the Big Ten Championship, but, you know, how much is this defense built to beat Ohio State? And he said, you know, it's kind of how Mike McDonald built it. And, you know, it's kind of also probably why Jim Harbaugh hired him. And it's why Jim Harbaugh hired Jesse Minter. He talked about in his interview process how Jim Harbaugh asked him how he would stop Ohio State. And he had to present that plan. Well, Washington, well, not the same, is very similar in that you have dangerous weapons on the outside. I mean, think of that 2021 team that Michigan played. I know that was McDonald, not Minter, but uh, Mason Graham wasn't here either, and he was saying that they're kind of drawing on that as well. You got weapons on the outside, an elite quarterback uh, who was Stroud at the time, this time Michael Penix for Washington. I think that Michigan is built to kind of defend this. Now, it's easier said than done because this is an elite team, and again, it's it's kind of one of those coin flip games, Uh, but I also think that 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 experience can help them as well. A couple notes too from just we got to talk to the head coaches yesterday on a teleconference as well as a few key players. The Dylan Johnson thing for Washington is really interesting because the team went down at the end of the game there. Obviously, his injury timeout stopping the clock, giving Texas a chance to come down and score there at the end. Just an insane turn of events, and they had a couple shots at the end zone, but. He's been dealing with a foot injury for a while as well, potentially broken foot. I wouldn't be shocked if he tries to give it a go, but I don't think how how you know I don't know how effective he's going to be. And he's really the only guy that's run the football for them this year. He's over a thousand yards. Nobody else over two hundred yards for Washington. So that could be a big loss, and um, so that's interesting. And I, I think AB, you tweeted it yesterday, saying like this reads like Blake Corum's going to play against Ohio State when Kalen DeBoer said that Dylan Johnson, or he, he expects Dylan Johnson to play. Um, I, I agree. You know, I, I think that that's going to be a big loss for them if he's not going to be effective. And it's hard to, to say at this point that he's going to. He got carted off the field uh, just a couple days ago. It is crazy to think. Uh, and DeBoer said that this has been something that's that's been nagging with him for a few months. But again, the fact that you do have a guy, you know, the optics of a guy that was carted off the field and then returns to play less than six or seven days later. I mean, I, stranger things have happened. Certainly. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's wishful thinking because I don't know what his medical chart looks like, but if Dylan Johnson isn't available to Washington in this game, like that's, that's huge advantage towards Michigan. I know they like the other guys that they have, but um, I forget the two gentlemen's names. I have to apologize, but they only have a combined, I think 72 carries on the year. So, you know, that helps. I mean, again, Washington is going to rack up yards. They're going to score. 
Michigan fans just need to get that in their head right now. It's probably going to be frustrating at times. Um, but if you're able to make them completely one-dimensional, then that is advantage Michigan. And the more they drop back, the more chances you have for Jesse Minter to scheme something up for those guys to get back there uh, to beat that offensive line. Um, but yeah, to me, if, if Dylan Johnson doesn't play in this game, that that is that's a huge deal for Washington. And, and Michael Penix in that passing game is good enough to do it on their own anyways. And I do think that this does kind of harken back to uh, 2021 Ohio State in terms of what Washington is. So you can draw on that. And you have guys on this team that have played defense in that game before. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all shakes out. I'll get a little better of idea of what Washington brings to the table over these next few days as we put our game package together. But yeah, that's potentially, I won't say game swinging, but potentially a huge loss for Washington if he's not able to go. And I do think that it feels like wishful thinking. Yeah, and even with Dylan Johnson against Texas, which has a comparable front seven to Michigan, uh, you know they only rushed for 3.3 yards per carry, 102 yards on 31 rushes, and you know Texas had to kind of throw the football there. The other side, in all these games against teams that have the level of talent that Michigan does, or, or at least comparable, Oregon twice, Texas as well, those teams have been able to run the football on Washington. So I think Michigan could have the advantage on both sides in the run game. And if you avoid allowing big plays, then I think that could be huge for the Wolverines. But uh, anything else? Uh, I know we'll talk more in depth on Sunday about Washington, but anything else before we head out? No, not a whole lot. Uh, again, just I'll say honored to to be able to be a part of this team that we're currently a part of in terms of at the Wolverine. We've got to experience a lot of cool things uh, since I've came on in 2021 and I'm not taking credit for that, but um, just, <laughs> well, what's the stat? What's the stat? I haven't seen Michigan lose a game in person since the 2020 citrus bowl. So, um, and on Monday night, I can confirm that we will be at NRG stadium. So all three of us will be there. The gang's all there. So again, just uh, Michigan fans don't, don't take this for granted. I, I know that, you aren't. I know that you've all been through uh, 2020 wasn't that long ago, regardless of how you feel about that season. But what's happened since then, I mean, I'll still say it was one of the most consequential seasons in the history of the program. So take that for what it is as the springboard into where we are today. And for the first time in any of these sports, uh, I said, I won't say any of the sports, but in terms of the primary two that we cover, uh, we're covering a game on the last Monday night of a season since that's the first time since what 2018. So mm -hmm. here we are. Enjoy it folks. No doubt. You talk about this for really a calendar year and it's finally here. Michigan in the national championship game for the first time ever chance to win their first national title since 1997, 12th ever in program history. We will be down in Houston starting tomorrow on Friday for all of your coverage. So head to thewolverine.com. Use the promo code UM1. It's an exclusive offer for two months of premium access for just $1. Please make sure to like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll have a bunch more content coming from Houston uh, on, on the video platform here. And we will see everyone next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.